from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This is Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Undercover, and I am joined by Brandon Marcello and Philip Marshall. And we're going to talk Auburn basketball today, and why not? The 30-9 and nine Tigers are headed to their first Final Four in school history after a historic run uh, that, it, that saw the Tigers beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky in succession in the NCAA regional play of the tournament. And, and guys... Who would have ever predicted this? Um, you know, looking back not that long ago, this team was uh, 18 and 9, and now you've seen this amazing run. But looking at the NCA regional play of the Tigers, have you ever seen anything like this before? I, I, obviously, we haven't seen it with Auburn, but how about just anyone in general? Philip, you've covered NCA basketball for decades. How historic is this? I mean, this was pretty well, impressive. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, to beat. To beat Kansas and and uh, North Carolina and Kentucky in succession was well, never been done before uh, by anybody, so that's impressive. You know, it, it was uh, up until the Elite Eight, it it was not totally unsimilar to uh, to the last time Auburn went to the Elite Eight when they beat St. John's, who was the number one seed, and beat them badly, and, uh, and then came from fourteen points down to beat UNLV to get to the Elite Eight, uh, but. Uh, of course, it's different now because they've taken that step they didn't take then. And and, and what, what also makes this one different is just the, as you talked about, the, the incredible surge down the stretch of the season. It was, uh, you know, I I thought I never thought the, the, the 27-point loss to Kentucky meant that they were not any good or they, they were, uh, you know, weren't going to go to the tournament or any of those kinds of things because, as, as I said at the time, I've seen lots of Auburn blowouts. They get blown out lots of times in Kentucky. But I never imagined this. And to beat – and you look at what they've done in total. I mean, uh, they beat Tennessee twice. Then they beat then they beat Kansas, the four seed, then North Carolina, then Kentucky. And and, and that's really – that's nobody could have predicted that. And, uh, and they've done it uh, – to a large extent with, with with their ability to shoot threes, but then they beat Kentucky basically with three pointers not being a big part of the game. So it was uh it's, it's been it's been quite a ride and it's been it's been enjoyable to watch, obviously fun to watch. And uh uh it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep it going or not. Brandon, you had a courtside seat for all four of the NCAA tournament games so far, the first two in Salt Lake City and the last two in Kansas City. I, I'm just curious what's been the reaction of the, the fans of the opposing teams of Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky? I mean, they couldn't have possibly seen this coming because I don't think I don't think any of us did or any Auburn fans did either. Was it just shock and awe on the, the looks on their faces? It must have been. Yeah, and I'll say this. Up until the Elite Eight game, um, all those blue blood programs, Kansas and North Carolina that I'm speaking of, their their fans were pretty quiet. Um, for most of those games, especially Kansas, like Kansas fans got up once, and that was during the introductions. And then North Carolina's fans, they were into it in the first half, but it was back and forth. And then the way Auburn ended that first half, it kind of took some air out of it. And then Auburn just went on that run to start the second half, and North Carolina could never recover, neither neither could the fans. It was it's so strange because, you know, in Salt Lake City. A lot of Kansas fans, and then there were some local fans rooting for Auburn um, because they were the quote-unquote underdog. And then the North Carolina fans in Kansas City, I mean, they dwarfed Auburn fans there, but they were so quiet for most of that game. It's like Auburn just kind of feeds off this idea of uh, just quieting everybody and keeping them quiet. I mean, Bryce Brown puts his hand up to his ear when he hits big shots because he knows there's more opposing fans there than others. He has straight up said that because he wants to go, I can't hear you guys now. He loves shutting people up. And, uh, you know, the Kentucky fans were into that game the entire time, but the Auburn fans 
really showed up for that Elite Eight game. They were outnumbered, probably 75% to 25% by Kentucky, but they were loud. They let their voices be heard. Bruce Pearl was pumping them up, lifting his arms up, trying to tell them to get up at, in some crucial moments. And they let their voices be heard. And um, I don't think it affected that game, but it was a fantastic tournament atmosphere. Uh, I'll tell you that. And obviously the Final Four will be completely on a different level. But I, I think obviously during that Elite Eight game, even before it was won and even before it was even – you know, a possibility of Auburn winning, even when Auburn was down 10 points. Uh, I think the basketball fan base took a step forward in that Elite Eight game and to what kind of what Bruce Pearl wants to see. Well, obviously, this run almost didn't happen. And uh, Auburn squeaked by in round one. And that happens a lot. That happens more than people think. Escaped with a 78-77 win over New Mexico State. Had a pretty good lead late. Let it get away. And New Mexico State actually had a chance to win the game or even tie it uh, in the final few seconds of that game. But Auburn escaped. But, Brandon, take us into the locker room, into the heads of the Auburn players after that game, because they were shell-shocked, if I if I remember reading your, your accounts correctly. And how did they rebound from that game? Obviously, a win's a win. It's survive in advance. But that was not the final few minutes that they were really hoping to have in that game. No, you know what's been strange? They've been, like, shell-shocked after most games this this tournament or not most, but half of them because of things that have happened. Uh, the New Mexico state meltdown, it was like being in a losing locker room. They were so, excuse my language, pissed off and beside themselves. And Pearl said he loved seeing that, that they weren't celebrating. Going, yeah, we beat New Mexico state by one. We held on. No, you, you should have lost that game. The way they played the And he loved the way his team reacted immediately following that game. And I think he saw something in them that they were not going to let any lead be comfortable. And that's what led to the Kansas blowout. That's what led to them blowing out North Carolina. That's what led to them piecing things together without Chumo Kiki and beating Kentucky. I think if they had won that New Mexico state game by like 13, like they were on the way to doing, I don't think Auburn's in the final four right now. I think that scare late game scare put enough in them and fed their tank even more that they kept saying that no lead safe in the tournament. We can't do that again. And the team has just been different since then. Um, this seems so close. This seems so close anyway, but seeing them really just rally around this idea of that one, we're the underdog with two, no one believes us in three, the only people who believe in us are ourselves. It's been something to watch. And then when Chumo Kiki went down with that injury, um, I have never in my life witnessed anything like that locker room afterward or what, you know, the players were saying. Because after that game, at least in the immediate aftermath of the locker room, I thought this team has no chance in two days it seemed like they realized that the season was over. But here's the thing. They rallied again, and credit to Bruce Pearl, too, for getting them back together and getting them to believe in each other and playing team defense. Because I think there's not many coaches that probably could have rallied a team like Auburn after that Okiki entry and beat Kentucky, and Pearl's one of them. And he's got some senior leadership and junior leadership in that locker room to help him out. But long, you know, long answer, even longer. Uh, Keith, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a run like this. I'm, I've only been doing this 12 years, obviously. But to see it up close, it reminds me just like this is so rare, not just for Auburn, but it's so rare in, you know, basketball to see some a team go through so much that's already such an underdog and still push through and win games. You see it every few years. Everybody talks about George Mason and everything they did or Gonzaga years ago. But uh, we're not just seeing history because Auburn made the Final Four. We're seeing history because of the way Auburn's done it. And uh, it's this, this is a really special group. There's not like a bad kid on this team either. There's not like a bad egg. And they love each other. They're always having fun. Uh, it's a pleasure to cover. It's really been amazing. 
All right, Philip. I want to uh, get your thoughts on the uh, the Chumo Kiki injury and when it happened. Auburn had a sizable second half lead against uh, North Carolina. Fluky thing. I mean, wasn't touched. Just the knee gave out. But from that point on, Auburn actually played really well. And, and you didn't know how they were going to respond. North Carolina had a quick little run, but by the end of the game, the margin was back up. Uh, to I guess 17 is what the winning margin was but Philip just your thoughts at that exact moment as somebody who's covered Auburn for such a long time just what were what were your emotions watching it and did you think Auburn was doomed well to be honest with you I was halfway watching the softball game and halfway watching the basketball game and I didn't see it when it happened and uh so I didn't have any reaction when it happened because I didn't know it uh, until a little bit later a few minutes later and uh uh, and, but having seen the replay, obviously, and, and, uh, it was, uh, this freak thing. And it's really sad because who knows what impact that's going to have on, on Chimo Kiki's, uh, uh, NBA future, which was growing brighter by the moment, uh, before that happened. And, and doctors tell me it's probably a nine month rehab, which means really probably the start of the SEC season next year before you might be able to see him play again. That's, that's not written in stone. It could be a little quicker, but it's not going to be a lot quicker. And, uh, um, so that's really sad. I, I've seen teams before. And, and to me, this is one of the more interesting things I'm going to look for in this game. If you look back to last year, when Anthony McLemore, who at that point was a very crucial part of what they were doing, uh, uh trying to win the SEC championship last season. And he got hurt at South Carolina. And then the next game, they went home, and not only was he hurt, Mustafa Heron was out, and they just beat beat Alabama to death, beat them by 19 points at home. But then, obviously, it, down the stretch, the rest of the season, they had some struggles that they might not would have had if they'd had, if they'd had Macklemore out there. So they, they, they clearly rallied around Chuma uh, on Sunday, and – that was a remarkable victory in, in so many ways. I mean, they're just, it's such a huge matchup problem for Auburn because they're so big. Uh, they didn't shoot threes great and uh, really played Kentucky's game a lot of the game. And uh, when I heard John Calipari talking about how they got they got hit and bumped a lot, I'm thinking, wow, getting that backwards? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's supposed to be what Kentucky does to Auburn. And uh, it's just it's going to be interesting. I don't think, you know, Okiki was important. Daniel Purifoy, who uh, who will take his place probably for the most part, offensively isn't that terribly far behind Okiki, but he, defensively he's a long way behind Okiki, and that's uh, that's what's going to be interesting in a game where there's going to be probably limited possessions because of the way Virginia plays. All right, let's go back to February 23rd. That was the game at Kentucky. Final score, Wildcats 80, Auburn 53. And, Philip, you mentioned this earlier, and you did write this at the time, that it wasn't the end of the world. And it turns out you were right. Since then, Auburn is 12-0 with four wins against top 10 teams. Uh, that doesn't include Kansas, which wasn't in the top 10, but two two wins against Tennessee, one against North Carolina, one against Kentucky. Uh and two of those games were absolute blowouts. And so my question to each of you is this, and I'll, we'll start with you, Brandon. What got into this team? What has changed? What has been the difference? Because at 18 and 9, this team really wasn't playing that great. And quite frankly, what started the winning streak was a Chumo Okiki three-pointer, I believe, at Georgia to kind of got things rolling. I, actually, I don't remember whether that was the first or the second game in the streak, but the streak isn't there without that, perhaps. But what has changed? What has been the difference? Yeah, they, they just decided to start playing better defense and not deciding it, but working on it and playing better team defense. There were some communication issues defensively for them. Um, they fixed that, and it was a process. It didn't happen immediately, but they started after that Kentucky game. And you mentioned the very next game was Georgia on the road, and that was back and forth. They lose that game, which they could have done based off of the way it was developing. They may have folded their tents and, and called it a day because um, Georgia obviously was terrible. But they fought through that game. They fought through some issues, and Chumo Kiki hit a three-pointer to pretty much win it. Um, I think after they did that, it gave them confidence, and they continued to work harder 
on their defense. And then when they just started winning more and more games, that helped. And I think the Tennessee game in the regular season finale was what propelled them into the SEC tournament to believe that, hey, we could beat anybody that's left in the SEC right now. And, you know, they, when they went in the SEC tournament and they played some close games, as we all know, especially that Florida game that they won by three, but they wanted so badly to play Kentucky again because they wanted to prove to themselves and to Coach Pearl that they were much better than they were when they lost by 27 to Kentucky. They wanted badly for Tennessee to lose to Kentucky in the SEC tournament. It didn't happen. So they took out their frustrations on Tennessee and beat them by 20. And so when they finally got another shot at Kentucky with Chuma out, uh, the coaches prepared. They had a game plan. They pretty much used like a like a shift in hockey uh, to help defend P.J. Washington and Reed Travis. Every four minutes, they subbed two, to two players in, uh, usually along the front line, to help one with the foul trouble they were facing, but two, to keep legs fresh out there. And it proved to be the difference late. If you look at some of those possessions late in the game by Kentucky, Auburn's blocking shots, they're altering shots, and they're doing it just by surrounding those big trees of Kentucky and being active very active, focusing on the ball rather than just the player. And if they didn't have those bodies, it'd be, it'd be like last year. They would, have, they would have melted down. They would have lost. But Auburn's got the bodies right now. They've got nine guys. Last year they had seven scholarship guys, and that was the, that was the difference. That was the issue. Plus they're older. And uh, But anyway, that's how this has all come to be. It's been a process, and they decided to commit themselves to playing better defense. And when they did that, it turned into better offense, and then they started knocking down the big boys. Right, you know, I thought yeah. I, I thought that the uh, Kentucky's last possession in regulation really, really kind of told the story of that game. And they, they had the ball under the basket with all those big guys, and Auburn was that Auburn players were not going to let them get a shot up. They just were not going to let them do it, and they didn't. And finally. Uh, Macklemore blocked the last one, and then Bryce came out of there with it, and of course threw it to Horace Spencer. But uh, uh, but but if Kentucky makes that scores right there, they probably win the game. So I just thought it, it was as Brand, it was an amazing effort. That uh, you you know, it, it's just uh, one of the things that makes that makes college athletics great is that that's not a. Uh, it wasn't a matchup game Sunday. It was a. It was a. We're going to win because we're just going to fight harder than you do. And, and by that's the what way, they did. And by the way, when Horace Spencer caught that ball, I don't know if they showed it on TV because Horace's back was to the TV cameras, the main ones. But I was sitting there on press row, behind the Auburn bench. He caught the ball and smiled, and then launched it. <laughs> And I kept thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be such a beautiful story to write. And then yeah. I just missed it so badly because he smiled. And I was like, he smiled. I remember turning to another reporter and go, he smiled. Um, but uh, afterward, he said, yeah, I, I knew I shouldn't have shot that shot. He said, I was so scared when I caught the ball, so I just shot it. And Anthony McLemore was open right there on the corner, and he's the better player to shoot it. And he didn't pass it. He, he kind of got flustered and just shot it up. And uh, but it was funny. They they end up winning, of course, anyway. But if they had to do it again, Horace Spencer wouldn't be taking that shot. And it's so funny because the day before that, Bruce Pearl was sitting with some players on the on, at the press conference talking about three point shooting, and you know talking about Anthony and Bryce and and Jared and Anthony obviously being a four man, a bigger guy shooting the three ball, but he's done so well. And and uh, the moderator goes that one we'll take give that one to Bryce and Jared and and whoever and then Bruce leans into the microphone and goes and Horace and everybody started laughing and he goes no he's like seriously this guy thinks he's a three point shooter you know and he end up he end up being so at the end of the Kentucky game and of course he missed the shot but he won't be taking those shots again yeah Bruce was funny after the game when he talked about and said. <laughs> That we set that play up <laughs> to the Horace, and he said not. But uh, it was it it was uh, even from afar. Uh, it it was it's been amazing to watch, and it, it's really because of all the all the parts of it, who they beaten and how they beaten it, and, and 
Chumo Kiki's injury. And, and as you said, they really, I mean, if, if the New Mexico state kid makes three, three free throws, they lose. If, if New Mexico state's best three point shooter hits an uncontested three pointer at the buzzer, they lose. And, uh, and those things didn't happen. And since then it's been a, uh, it's been a remarkable thing to watch. And and, they, and they're so you know, confident. I, they're so confident, yeah. Philip. Like, you mentioned the New Mexico State game. This doesn't get talked about a lot. But that kid went to the free throw line. I mean, Auburn looks like they're going to lose. That kid goes to the free throw line. What does Javon McCormick do? <laughs> yeah. He puts up a choking sign to the kid at the free throw line. He's like, <laughs> and, I, and after the game, he's like, he's like yeah, I knew, I knew he wasn't going to win the game. We knew that. <laughs> And then, scared. <laughs> yeah, he looks scared, so I did that. And then the Kentucky game, Auburn's up six points in overtime. Bryce Brown is celebrating with the crowd, right? And Stephen Pearl notices it and freaks out, is staring, going, Bryce, stop it. The game's not over. Then they get a timeout, and they come over, and he goes, you can't do that. Act like you've been here before. And Bryce, without hesitation, says, but coach, we'd never been here before. <laughs> I mean, this 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 team just doesn't like. Not to say they don't care, they care. It's just like they're in the moment. They don't care how other people react to them. It's everybody else has to react to the way they play and the way they act. And Kentucky hit a three pointer right after that celebration and, and got within three. And Stephen Pearl was about to have an aneurysm. Um, but they pulled it out, and and, and, st- and when they went to the free throw line again, <laughs> Bryce did the same thing, and Steven was about to pull his hair out even still. He's like, I can't believe it, but that's how these kids are. Um, they are themselves, and what they are is a great team. They play together, they have a lot of confidence, and they just do everything right at the right times. You know, it's amazing, as, as I wrote about the column, I- how much they? How much must people feel in Georgia to see all these Georgia kids that Georgia didn't recruit it going to the Final Four? That's yeah, exactly. that's an that's an amazing thing. That's uh, they they offered Chuma, uh, but that's of those four kids, that's the only one they had had no interest in in Jared or Bryce or Anthony. And that's been the core for this team the last two years. Uh, yep. All right, well, let's turn to coverage of the team, and I want to get your thoughts on the media coverage because that's always a hot topic on the Auburn undercover message boards. Is Auburn getting a fair shake? Uh, So I've watched a lot of TV. Uh, I've seen Charles Barkley over and over and over get mentioned. I've read dozens of newspapers to kind of get a feel for things, and it it does seem as though Auburn is getting – Uh, the same, if not more, uh, amount of coverage than all these other teams. You know, you've got the Bruce Pearl angle. You've got the team rallying from uh, Chumo Kiki's injury. You've got this uh, historic run that the the Tigers have made. But, you know, from what you guys have seen, do you think Auburn is getting a fair shake from the national media right now? I do. From what I've seen, obviously I haven't seen everything. I I think the stuff I've read has been mostly – High percentage of it has been positive. I, I, you know, now I will say this: if you listen on the radio and and, uh, and I listen to satellite radio when I'm driving around a lot, uh, the the debate seems to be today mostly about whether Virginia or Michigan State is going to win the national championship. Which is, but that's okay. I mean, that's really to be expected. And uh, uh, but I, I've, from what I've seen, I think the coverage has been. Largely positive, and uh, and I think these kids have been have really kind of uh, impressed people with how they carry themselves and how hard they play, and and uh, and of course the Chuma story. And I I thought the the most heartwarming moment of the tournament that I've seen was the Auburn and North Carolina players coming together when uh when when Chuma got hurt. I thought that was pretty cool, and uh uh. And because uh, I, I think people sometimes don't realize that these kids really do feel like they're all in it together. Whether they play on the same team or not, they all go through the same stuff and they all know that they can be right there where he is in a second, in one second. And, and all, all their hopes and dreams can be over. And, uh, so I thought that was cool. I personally, I thought it, obviously Auburn is a, is an interesting story because of, of how they've done it and what they've done. And, uh, uh, I haven't, I, 
I haven't seen anything Auburn people should be upset about. Maybe it's there that I haven't seen, but I think it's been very fair myself. Yeah, um, you know, there's one column, and I uh, I got pulled on to Feinbaum, and I thought I was going to talk about the North Carolina yeah, game, I'm, and got talked asked about that very naive column over and over again. And no, I, yeah, I, I yeah, let it be yeah. known that it was just terribly uh, pieced together, was, uh, incompetent in some spots, and uh, anyway. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I mean, the coverage has pretty much been like, how is this Auburn team doing this? And then also the Chumo Kiki angle has been huge. And I think going into the final four here, it's going to be – the story is going to be this this scrappy, just fast-paced, hot-shooting Auburn team going against this methodical, you know, defensive yeah. approach oh. and, and valuing offensive possessions. I think it's, this whole storyline is going to be a clash of styles – and whether Virginia can, uh, you know, dictate the tempo or Auburn can dictate the tempo. And th- that's what makes this matchup, I think, the most interesting in the first game of the Final Four. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, and uh, I tell you who probably deserves more, more attention. And you're right about the USA Today column. I hadn't thought about that. That was that was kind of early on, and it was honestly one of the most most ridiculous things I've read by, by, by a professional columnist I, and uh it was just a it was just cheap shot after cheap shot with nothing to back it up and it was just hey this basically it was like this is what i've heard i've heard he's a bad guy so he's a bad guy and that's all there is to it but uh texas tech hasn't gotten a lot of attention that i've seen and you look look at what they've done in this tournament they rampage right through it now i mean there's they, a they lot of hope. you know a lot of great defensive teams in the final four right now yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. a great defense. And Texas Tech and Virginia, I believe, have the two best defenses. Right. There is. You know, Auburn's never going to have it. They're never going to hold teams to 40 or 50 points because they play too fast and there's too many possessions for, for them to do that. But but the, the way, I mean, Texas Tech just completely choked the life out of Michigan. I mean, they just couldn't score at all. And uh, and it's going to be, I agree with you, the most compelling game of the turn, the of the, of the next two days, to me, is going to be the Auburn-Virginia game because it's such a total contrast in in how they want to play, and uh, and I think that's going to be it's going to be really difficult if either one of them is forced to play the way they don't want to play. And but Virginia limits possessions so much, and what you got to do, you can't let yourself get start pressing and thinking you've got to score on every possession and. And uh, and shooting too quick and doing those things because because I I don't think you're going to see 15 or 20 turnovers from Virginia. They haven't they haven't done that all year. We're going yeah. to get into those teams in just a minute. But Philip, I wanted to address one point that you made uh, in a Tuesday afternoon column for Auburn Undercover, in which you said that the you basically can't put a price tag on the the publicity, the free publicity. Oh. <laughs> with Charles Barkley right now, and you've known Charles for a long time. You've covered him. Uh, you saw his career progress in Auburn and, you know, a, a lot of bricks, you know, the, the Tennessee football motto has always been, or, or since, uh, in recent years, brick by brick. And, uh, you know, to get to this point now, a lot of guys had to put a brick in the wall and Charles Barkley, obviously, uh, <laughs> put several in, uh, but what do you think it means to him? You know, knowing him and having covered him, what do you, can you, I mean, he's just gotta be just so emotional right now, Philip. Well, he loves Auburn first. <clears throat> I mean, he's made he's made that obvious, and 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 you know I'm not sure that you would have said he made it so obvious until after his NBA career was over. Uh, but since then, I mean, he is, and whether it was Tony Barbie or Jeff Lebo or Bruce Pearl, he's he's been here, he's been around, he's given his money, he's he's done all those things. That that this TV gig gig is just, I mean. It is so natural to him because he is just naturally a hilarious guy. And he was when he played too. And, uh, uh, and I guess the, the modern way, I don't know any other way to put it where it's okay for these guys to, uh, to openly, uh, pull for their team and, and the way he's done it and all that Auburn paraphernalia he's had up there and all those things. And he and Kenny Smith's, he and Kenny Smith's back and forth. And, uh, and, and then it turned out that Auburn played, actually played North Carolina. 
uh, I think it's been for Auburn. It's been awesome. I mean, you can't you can't buy that kind of that kind of attention and that kind of publicity. And it's been, you know, not done in a, in a mean spirited manner in any way. It's been having fun and uh, and but but it is. I don't think there's any question. It's very important to him. I don't believe there's any doubt about that. And uh, and Bruce Pearl, being Bruce Pearl, recognized right off that this is a guy. This is a guy we need on our side, and he's been uh, and he went to work making sure that was the case. All right. Lastly, we're going to take a quick look at the final four teams uh, outside of Auburn, obviously. And I'm just going to mention a few things about them. You get four outstanding teams. I don't think there's any question about that. And we really stress the word team with these programs. Virginia is back in the final four for the first time in three decades. They play in-your-face defense, like you said, Philip. They slow the game down. And what a comeback, because it was only a year ago that the Cavs became the first-ever number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. All those guys are back. The coach is back, and now they're headed to the Final Four to play Auburn. And that's an incredible story. Then you have Tom Izzo in Michigan State. The Spartans are 14-1 and in their past 15 games, and they just sent Duke, Coach K, and Zion Williamson packing with a thrilling win in the East Region Final. And Izzo, by the way, is now coaching – I can't even believe I'm saying this in his eighth final four. I mean, you got coach K, you got wooden and he, but I mean, this guy, eight final fours, that's just incredible. And then finally there's Texas tech. Like you said, Philip, they haven't gotten a ton of attention, uh, at least nationally, big 12 co-champs, very tough league, uh, like Auburn headed to their first final four. And in the past two wins, the red Raiders have held two high powered offenses of Michigan and Gonzaga. And, and by the way, they were both top 10 teams in check and what Chris Beard, the coach there, has done in three seasons in Lubbock, Texas, really is nothing short of remarkable. And people forget they were in the Elite Eight just a year ago, too. Not one ESPN 100 recruit on that team. So great stories all the way around. Guys, is there a favorite? Brandon, I'm going to start with you. be quite honest, I don't know. I think this Final Four is wide open. I th- I, I, if you were going to say there's a favorite among the four, I'd say Virginia because, I mean, listen, they've lost three games. They've lost, what, six games total, five games total or something like that over the last two years? There's a reason for that. As for Michigan State and Texas Tech, I haven't seen a lot of Michigan State, but the way they beat Duke, impressive. But Duke was kind of on the precipice of losing twice um, before earlier in the tournament at the rim. Um, The way Tech's playing defense right now, I – I'm almost tending toward or leaning toward that there's going to be it's going to be a Virginia Texas Tech final national championship game, but it's wide open. I mean, it, it's it really is, and it's because of the way these teams play defense. And I think Auburn's kind of the outlier because they play good defense when they need to and have to, but they're a heck of an offensive team. They're the best offensive team in this field right now. So. You just never know. I mean, Auburn's doing what Villanova did last season, and Villanova won the championship. So we'll see. Philip? Well, you know, it's uh, the thing about it is you get these four teams here, and by getting here, they're all coming in here extremely confident. They all believe that they all, I don't think they all believe they can win it. I believe they all believe that they will win it. And, uh, and obviously they can't all be right, but, uh, I, I agree with Brandon is if you had to pick a favorite, I would probably pick Virginia for the very same reasons he said, I mean, they have, they've lost three games this year, two of them to Duke and, uh, and one to Florida state in the ACC tournament, which probably doesn't really mean a whole lot. They didn't, they had nothing to gain in, in, in the ACC tournament. And, uh, uh, and they, you know, they are, they do a lot of things really well. Now, I, just having watched the games I watched, which is a lot of them over the last two weeks, I see a lot of people getting open three pointers against Virginia and not making them. Uh, if Auburn gets those open three pointers and makes them, uh, then it's going to be tough on Virginia. On the other hand, if Auburn gets those other three pointers and it's like it was Sunday and they don't make them and they have limited possessions. Uh, then it's going to be really tough on Auburn. And uh, uh, I, I, I just don't know really what to expect. Texas Tech has really, really impressed me. And uh, if Texas Tech was wearing Duke uniforms 
and had done exactly what they've done in this tournament to get to this point, people would be talking about how dominant they had been and that they didn't believe anybody, don't believe anybody could beat them. So I, that's, uh, Michigan state is probably the one I've seen the least beating LSU by 17 or whatever it was. That's impressive. Uh, uh, beating Duke is always impressive though. As Brandon said, Duke really was, was just extremely fortunate to even be in that game. Uh, they, they could have, should have lost the previous two. And, uh, uh, if I had to pick a favorite, I would pick Virginia though. I think Auburn's the hottest, uh, 12 straight wins and who they beaten in the tournament. State, I don't know how much it means that they've got a coach that's been there before and the other three don't. Uh, I don't know if that's a big factor or not. Uh, I tend to think it's not, but because it's still a basketball game. But uh, but it's such it's for for everybody at Virginia, Auburn, and Texas Tech, players and coaches and everybody. This is a completely new experience, and uh, and I think it's it's really a neat final four. I mean, Auburn and Texas Tech in the final four in basketball, really. I mean, who would have ever guessed that? Whatever happened. Uh, so I, I think it's really cool. I think I think it would really be cool if Auburn and Texas Tech played in the championship game, and it might kill the TV ratings, but it might not. I'm not sure that it would as much as people think because it's just such a unique and different deal than what than what we're used to seeing. And I think the fact that there's not a not a one and done player in this in this in this field. And as, as we were talking about the Auburn kids earlier from Georgia who did, did weren't offered by Georgia, uh, no top 100 players at Texas tech. It's, you know, basketball in college, it's not always about matchups. Like I said, it, it, sometimes it's just about who can play together and who, 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 uh, who does the little things and who plays the hardest. And, uh, and obviously Auburn and Texas tech, both. And not just in this tournament, but it, before they've shown that they can play with anybody and, uh, uh, and beat anybody. And I, you know, I, I don't know. It seemed to me that when Auburn played in this term, they played North Carolina, they played Arizona. Those two teams were taken aback by, by Auburn's speed and how they, how fast they played. And it'll be interesting to see if the same thing happens to, uh, Virginia. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. New original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Uh, well, I will tell you, one person rooting for an Auburn Texas Tech final is is got to be Kevin Plank, the CEO of Under Armour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. As for years, they have heard that you can't win at an Under Armour school, and gosh, I think that was a, 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 a some talk around Auburn at one time, and that would be something else. And uh, obviously, I, I just love the coaching pedigree of these guys in the, in this final four I think these are these are ball coaches these are guys that are just what they have done at their respective programs is incredible let's take a look at the Auburn Virginia matchup before we uh we put an end to this podcast the Cavaliers like you said 33 and 3 and you know the ACC only has one team in the final four but I think we can all agree it was a solid year in the ACC and Virginia was the co-champion along with North Carolina Duke was third FSU a very talented team had some injury issues uh, the fourth place team and the fifth place team is Virginia Tech. So it was a strong league. Virginia went 16 and two in the regular season. The Cavaliers averaged 71 points a game and only allow, as you said, Philip, 55.4 points a game first in the country. Now, Tony Bennett, what has this guy done at Virginia? It's, it's quite un- incredible. Chris Beard, phenomenal at uh, Texas Tech. Bruce Pearl, 
incredible at Auburn, and obviously Tom Izzo, sensational at Michigan State. But Tony Bennett, in the four years before he got to Virginia, the Cavaliers uh, under Dave Lashow, I can never pronounce his last name, but they were 63-60 and and only had one winning record in those four seasons in the ACC. Tony Bennett now is 252-89 and at Virginia, 121 and 53 in the ACC. That's incredible. First Final Four, but he's been to the Elite Eight one other time and the Sweet 16 one other time. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight 20 win seasons. This is his fourth 30 win season. And guys, that is no easy school to get guys into. You're talking about arguably the number one academic public school east of the Mississippi River. So what he has done is sensational. This is a heck of a matchup. The leading score is Kyle Guy, 15.2 points per game. Ty Jerome averages 5.4 assists per game. It's just a solid team that doesn't blow you away. They're not running up and down the court. They're not uh, behind-the-back dunks. Uh, There's no Dominique Wilkins on this team. Obviously, they've got some great defenders uh, and and obviously three players that merited all America recognition. DeAndre Hunter's an outstanding player guard as well 14.9 points a game uh, just a solid all-around team guys but they do they don't really have a weakness I mean they're not the most athletic team in the world but they don't really have a true weakness no and I think the one of the big I mean I think the biggest matchup in this entire this game is is going to be among the backcourts because you mentioned Kyle Guy there um He's second all-time in Virginia history. I think as when he was heading to the Purdue game, at least, um, has over 109 three-pointers. And he's, as you said, their leading scorer. And then Clark for Virginia. I wonder if he'll be placed on uh, Jared Harper the entire time, uh, point guard against point guard, or if they'll do some switching and try some things. But um, he's prone to turnovers at times, but – He's really been good in the postseason. You know, he only had eight turnovers in nine games heading into the Purdue game. Um, that's pretty good. But the Auburn, what they've done, along with playing good defense of late, is that they've held onto the ball as well. They're, you know, pretty much averaging under 10 turnovers a game during this run, this 12 game winning streak. But I'm really looking forward to Clark and Guy versus Brown and Harper. I, I think it's going to be the key to the entire game. If Auburn can shoot three-pointers over them, which I believe they can because, listen, Virginia's lineup is not huge. It's not like they've got huge, huge guys. Their tallest guy is six foot nine in the starting lineup, and they have a seven-footer that comes off the bench, but he's averaging 4.7 points to 2.3 rebounds a game. So you look at it on paper, and then you watch this team, everybody says, oh, we can beat that team. Like I kept hearing that from fans at from other teams in Kansas City like yeah we could beat that Virginia team no problem yeah it looks boring and everything but it works for a reason and just because they're playing a style that you're not accustomed to really seeing doesn't mean oh we can just do whatever we want to them it's not like that you know it's not vanilla ice cream it's much more complex than that this is Neapolitan (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's not vanilla. They, they've mixed a lot of things in, with, and that's why they're so successful. You don't hold teams to 55 points an entire season and it not be something more than just slowing things down. So I, I think it's going to come down to the backcourts. And as it did against Kentucky, that, that's, that's what happened. You know, I think that uh, people don't like playing that way. And, and – Virginia makes them play that way. And not many teams can play that way because, I mean, let's face it. If Auburn said, okay, we're going to play like Virginia. And they were down there running the shot clock down uh, inside 10 seconds every time they had the ball. They wouldn't be very successful, I don't believe. <laughs> I think they'd turn it over a lot and then they would uh, would end up not getting good shots. And uh, uh, so I, I think, but I, I agree with you. I mean, Virginia – just because they're different. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, look at what they've done. And uh, and and I'm sure if, if you're a player, you look at it and you say, well, man, you know, there's none of these super athletes out there and all those things, and and there's not. But, there, but you know, they're not at Auburn either. And uh, uh, it's just a different style, obviously. 
but uh, it's guys who are playing together and are experienced. And there is a, a tremendous amount of experience in this final four. And, uh, uh, make up for a lot of that. And uh, I, I just think that it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very challenging game for Auburn. I believe that I think, think the, I thought they had to be, beat to make threes to beat Kentucky. Uh, they didn't and they beat them anyway, but I, I for sure think they've got to, they, they've got to make threes today. And I, I you know, Virginia has got, has going to have a whole week to figure out how to try to exploit the absence of Chimo Kiki, whereas Kentucky had one day. Uh, and I think that's, I think that could be a significant factor too. I think it's going to be a hard game for Auburn to win. I certainly think they can win, uh, but they're going to have to do everything really well to do it. You know, it seems like almost every team that wins this thing historically has a guy that's six 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 seven that can do a little bit of everything. And for Virginia, it's DeAndre Hunter, guard forward, six feet seven, uh, was just named today <coughs> National Defensive Player of the Year by the National Association of Basketball Coaches, lockdown defender, redshirt sophomore, fourteen point nine points, five rebounds a game. Uh, you know, uh, Virginia ranks fourth in three point field goal percentage defense. 28.7%. And when you have a guy with Hunter's length who can get out and guard the perimeter, that's one of the reasons why. But again, just an outstanding team. Uh, and Tony Bennett, you know, uh, I, I, so much was uh, this, this is a, a, an underrated coaching job in many respects. Uh, obviously, they're in the Final Four. They're getting plenty of attention. Don't get me wrong. But to come back from that humiliation last year, guys, where they lost in the first round to, I guess it was uh, Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, really says a lot about the character of this team, uh, just as, uh, you know, when you look at Auburn, what this group has gone through. But this Virginia team has been through a, a, what you would call a public humiliation, guys. And uh, I think it says a lot about Tony Bennett as a as a young coach. Actually, he's still not even 50. That's hard to believe. But a, a guy that uh, has really put this program on the map for the first time since really Ralph Sampson, maybe the olden Polynes era. But uh, new uh, people were talking about Virginia basketball again and, and how much credit – does this guy deserve? Well, he deserves a lot of credit. I think all, all these, all four of these coaches deserve a lot of credit. And, uh, uh, of course I'm more familiar with what Bruce has done and, and very familiar with what, it, what the situation was that he took over, uh, five years ago. And, uh, uh, and he's done something that nobody's ever done at Auburn. Uh, and I don't think that a lot of people expected that it ever would be, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, it, historically, a good season for Auburn has been getting there. Just get to the tournament. If you get to the tournament, you had a good year. And uh, and I think that's still going to be true to an extent. But but if you do that frequently, then you get your chance. Can you take advantage of it? And they certainly have done that. And this did not look like the year that was their chance because of the region they were in and the gauntlet they had to run to do it. I mean, I just don't think – I think you could have won a whole bunch of money in Vegas if you had said, I want – I want a whatever you would call it a parlay or whatever to Auburn to beat to be, to beat straight up beat uh, uh, Kansas North Carolina and Kentucky probably could have got pretty good odds I imagine. All right, so let's take a look at what Bruce Pearl has done, done at Auburn. I mean, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. 15 and 20 the first year, 11 and 20 the second year, and then 18 and 14, 26 and 8 with an SEC title, 30 and 9 with an SEC tournament championship and uh, Final Four berth. He's 171 at Auburn and 40 and 50 in the SEC. But obviously, over the last two years, Auburn has really just taken a gigantic leap forward. Uh, overall record 562 and 216 and guys he has played people forget he has played for a championship before in fact twice in 1994 while at southern indiana his team was the division two runner-up the next year at southern indiana uh they won they won it all and in fact his team was down big in the first half by 20 plus points and they rallied to win so obviously that's a much smaller scale but this is a guy that has won big at every level everywhere he's been uh, he's been a part of a, a great programs as an assistant and now as a head coach. First Final Four for Bruce Pearl, too. You guys have been around him a lot the last few days. What do you think his emotions are like right now? And this is a guy that, uh, let's be honest, he seems to be heavily <laughs> – he's in the public eye. He's heavily scrutinized. He's made mistakes. He's tried to own up to those mistakes. But he is certainly a guy people talk about. What is going through his head right now? It must be just, uh, it must just all be so surreal for him. 
I think I think more than anything, he's so locked in on what he's got to do to win a championship because he's continued to say to his players, these opportunities don't come along very often um, to where you're actually in the position to win a national championship, and that's when you get to the Final Four. And he's trying to figure out a way to do that. And then also something that will be talked about a little bit more this week is just going in this venue of U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be a little bit different. It's a football stadium. The floor is going to be elevated. Bruce is going to be standing above his bench pretty much, and he's going to have to yell even louder than he has been and losing his voice to to kind of voice his concerns with them and what to do because he is very active during games. And I sat behind that bench uh in the in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and and he is very very hands on, obviously, and 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 directing orders and directing his assistants to do things. They're constantly communicating. It's going to be a little bit more difficult uh, there. So there, I think he's just really focused on it. Sure, it's surreal. I mean, even after the Kentucky game, he said, "Hey, when I was hired at Auburn, we wanted to be competitive. I didn't think at the time that we'd be able to go to a Final Four. But then over the last couple of years, he started realizing that was possible with the talent they had and the way they were playing. And now they're in position. And the way he sees it, that this doesn't come along often, and they've got they got to do it now. And uh, I think that's his message to the team. If you want to win a national championship, if you're an underclassman, it's not going to happen next year. It's happening now. you got to do it now because even if you're better next year, you might not be in this position because you never know. A New Mexico State could knock you off. So I, I think he's more focused on that than, you know, just everything being so surreal to him and not believing it. I mean, he even said it today, you know, it kind of finally hit him that he's in the final four, but now now it's work. And uh, that's how they've approached this entire run, including the SEC tournament, by the way. I mean, right after games, the, the coaches are going out and watching their future opponents and scouting and working. And I remember, um, you know, when Kentucky was playing Houston, Auburn had just knocked off North Carolina. And uh, Stephen Pearl had the scout for Kentucky, and I can't remember who the other assistant was who was scouting Houston. But Stephen Pearl had the scout for Kentucky and uh, was apparently slamming his fist on the seat every time Kentucky was scoring um, because he didn't want to face Kentucky. These guys are very passionate, and I, I think they're going to be very much focused on on winning games rather than being happy with being there and, and being, uh, you know, uh, just being overtaken by the moment. You know, it's hard to get there. It's, I mean, Duke's been there twice in 15 years. Kentucky hasn't been there the last four years. You can be really, really good, uh, you know, and then not get there because this, I mean, let's face it, this, this tournament does not choose the four best teams in the country. It necessarily, it chooses the four teams that get it done at this time. And, uh, there's some really good teams and a whole bunch of really good players that are at home. So, uh, I, it is, I think, I mean, sure. You hope to be back again before long and, uh, but you better recognize how difficult it is. And when you, and when you're, when you do have that chance, uh, do everything you can do to take advantage of it. And, but of course, you know, the other teams doing the same thing. So it's, uh, I've been told by a lot of coaches that the further you go, more it hurts when it's over. And, uh, and for the three teams that lose this weekend, uh, it will be, a, it will be devastating. There's no question about it, but then the, but, but after a fairly short time, I would think, especially for Auburn, this, this run will be, will be forever remembered at Auburn and, uh, be a part of Auburn history, regardless of what happens Saturday or Monday, of course, that they win Monday, then, that takes it all to another level. But even if they don't win it, it will still be remembered as one of the great, great moments in Auburn history. Yeah, I and I think I think from a fan base per perspective, you know, I see people on our board going, you know, how are we going to honor this team for reaching the Final Four at A Day? And it's like, how about you think about a national championship parade? Yeah. Why are you just thinking <laughs> about just being there? It seems like people are resigned to the fact. Okay, we got through one game without Chuma Kiki. This team's capable of winning a national title now. They they can do it. Um, and I think the fans have got to believe that too, uh, and being around that, that team and, st and stop slapping on the back going, Hey, thanks for taking us to the final four, you know? Um, but I, I think the team more than anything is, I mean, they were saying it, um, after the beat Kansas that th we're going to win a national championship. We're going to do it. So that focus has been there for them 
uh, for a long time. You know, I, I was amazed to hear Bruce a couple times during that run say, we're not talking about one game at a time. We're not talking about that. We're talking about winning a championship. We're talking about getting to the final four and winning. And, uh, uh, and now they've done it. And I, I, the one thing I'm convinced of is that they believe they're going to win it. Those, those players believe they're going to win the national championship. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch. All right. The game is at 5.09 Central Time on Saturday, Auburn versus Virginia. Final couple things here, guys, and we'll, we'll get you out of here. Uh, i got to just throw it out there. Auburn beats Virginia if what? You finish that sentence. Auburn beats Virginia if what, Philip? You go first. Auburn beats Virginia if they uh, – <laughs> uh, Auburn beats Virginia if they – if they if they shoot the ball well, and if they defend well, and 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 cause cause Virginia when Virginia runs the clock, shot clock down as they like to do, uh, if they make them take bad shots, and as a result hold, hold their scoring down, uh, it's it's probably going to come down to defense again. That's what it's been really for all the three point shooting and all the other things. Auburn's ability to get stops and get turnovers uh, is is how they've gotten here, and I think I think that'll be the key again. Philip, I thought I had you stumped, and you rebounded with a great answer. Uh, Brandon, what do you got? What's your take? Auburn beats Virginia if what? They hit 13 three-pointers, and there's a reason why I say 13. It's right about the 40-point mark to me, and that means Auburn can get about 20 to 30 easily outside of shooting just three-pointers by getting the free throw on the line and everything else, and that would put them over the average that Virginia allows. So – I think Auburn does have to hit three-pointers against Virginia. I don't think they can do what they did against Kentucky and hit seven three-pointers and win this game. I think they got to hit three-pointers against Virginia because I think that will stretch Virginia out, open some other things up offensively, but also I think probably probably speed up Virginia a little bit on some possessions to where Auburn's able to force some turnovers because – I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnovers by Virginia in this game, but if Auburn can hit three-pointers, it it just naturally speeds things up, and I think all the everything I just said combined will will lead to a win. Auburn's got to hit those three-pointers. Yeah, I wonder what Auburn's going to do defensively in any full-court type stuff to kind of throw Virginia out of its rhythm, but I've got Auburn winning 63-59, to and I'd like the Tigers to take on Michigan State to cut down the nets on Monday night. Guys, final predictions, what do you think? <laughs> oh, man, I, it's, I keep coming back to Virginia has only lost three games. And, and they played they play such a dis, different but disciplined style. Uh, they're playing in a dome stadium, which certainly has the potential to to make hitting those three pointers a little more difficult with a different kind of background. Uh, I think it's going to be a very close game Saturday, but I, but I, I kind of believe Virginia is, will probably, will probably win. And then I, I think Texas tech will beat Michigan state. And then I think Texas tech will beat Virginia and Texas tech will win it. That's what I'm going to say. I think I'm going to go with Virginia too. I think it's going to be something like 71 to, the 63, something along those lines. Um, Auburn will be within striking distance most of the game, but it's just it's going to be too much. The deep defensive pressure and the way Virginia plays is is going to be smothering. It's going to be difficult to hit shots. Um, it's almost going to be like a combination. But the, see, there's no way to compare Virginia to anybody. But it's, it's almost going to feel like that Duke game that Auburn played early in the season, and then the Kentucky game this past Sunday. Um, I, I just, you know, they're just, Virginia's so frustrating. Just watch the Virginia-Purdue game. I mean, Purdue fought, 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 and got their way back into it. Um, I forget the kid's name, but he scored 40 points in that game, and they still lost to Virginia. There's a reason why those Cavaliers only have three losses this season. They're just absolutely incredible. I would say this. If Auburn still had Chumo Kiki, I would probably pick it the other way. Uh, sure, because that 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 helps negate or not negate, but right. it helps him against the six foot seven guy who is so versatile. Right, but I, I just think that not having him is is going to be a lot more problematic 
Saturday than it was last Sunday. Well, one thing hey, is certain. But guys, that's probably good. Auburn people should probably be really happy that I said I think Virginia will win because I'm not very good at picking games. Well, one thing we know is it's going to be one incredible atmosphere. Auburn fans, gosh, I, some of them have waited their whole lives. I mean, I mean, everybody's waited their whole life, but I mean, some of them have waited a long time, decade upon decade for this moment. It's going to be special in Minneapolis. Auburn 30 and 9 versus Virginia 33 and 3 Saturday night. In the final four, guys, I never thought I'd be saying that. I really didn't. It's going to be something else, and I know you two are going to be there, and I hope you have a good, safe trip, and we're all looking forward to your coverage along with the coverage of Mark Murphy at auburnundercover.com. Be sure to check it out all week long, guys and gals. Thanks for stopping by, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Take care, everybody. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover.